0: Does anxiety interfere with your life and your relationships? Today, we're talking about anxiety, what it is and what you can do about it and how that can improve your life and your relationships. If you'd like to find out more about how you can improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where you can also take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in your relationships. Welcome to today's podcast and today we're talking about anxiety.
1: Well, anxiety is uh, one of these uh, catch-all phrases, so to speak, or that describes really quite a, a whole host of experiences that you might have. And of course, anxiety is usually one of the main reasons in some shape or form that people come into therapy to see us, right?
0: Yes, and we've had a few podcasts where we've t- talked about anxiety. We've interviewed a couple of people about anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think it, thinking how it really interferes with your life. And I'm wondering, Angela, can you think about any times in the past where you've experienced anxiety and it's caused an issue? Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: a I'm the classic worrier. I can worry about anything, really. Give me something to worry about and I'll do it really, really well. So I can spend... Um, hours uh just uh thinking about something that's coming my way in the future so i mean of course anxiety is always future oriented isn't it so it's always looking ahead and it's kind of having these perceived these ideas about what might be coming your way and usually what comes your way when you're anxious is something that's uh challenging difficult or seems to be um, a bit overwhelming so for example classic one uh, actually right now this moment at this point in time not quite this second but at the moment currently I've got this exhibition coming up and uh, I'm really excited about this but I'm also really already really quite worried about it already come up with all sorts of um possible disastrous outcomes of like you know nobody's going to come along nobody's going to like my work that kind of stuff so i can kind of go really go into that to the extent that i then notice that my heart's beating a bit faster i get a bit more clammy i have sort of a bit of pressure here on my chest i get these sort of physiological sensations that come with anxiety
0: Yes, and, and I, I think that's something, you know, I've experienced a lot in the past. And, you know, even still, we all experience anxiety to some extent. And that's the thing, is it's a completely normal response. It's a, you know, it's a normal emotion to have mm-hmm. or a normal experience to have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, I, I you know, I think sometimes, like, I can think of children, if you've got children. Mm. It's normal to get anxious about your children. Mm. And, you know, some of that anxiety is prompted by things maybe we read about in the media. Mm-hmm. Some of it's prompted by our own experience or just worries. So, mm. you know, right now my son is um, applying to universities and he's got A-levels coming up. And, you know, sometimes I notice there's that anxiety. Like, what happens for him if he doesn't get the grades he wants or doesn't get to where he wants to go? And, mm. you know, that anxiety is within me and it, it may not even be something relevant to him. Mm. So it's it's maybe that you know, what happens then? Almost things become like the one and only solution in your mind. And if that mm. doesn't happen, then everything else falls apart. Yeah. And,
1: well, and obviously there are also different uh, degrees of anxiety, aren't there? Yeah. There's, um, I mean, sometimes it might just be a flutter, uh, this sort of sensation where you have this flutter of anxiety. You notice it in your belly, for example. And, of course, sometimes it can be a lot more intense, um, you know, to... The extent uh, for some people, of course, that they get panic attacks, and uh, that's a, a whole different experience of anxiety, more much more intense.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's important is that anxiety and fear there is a difference. Mm-hmm. So anxiety is more about a perceived threat rather than a realize you know, rather than a real response to a real danger. So it's, you know, with fear, there's a real danger there. You know, our life may be a threat. There's Mm -hmm. a threat to our physical safety. Mm -hmm. So that fear response kicks in and it helps us kind of manage that, hopefully in a way that can help us, but not always. Mm -hmm. Whereas with anxiety, it's this perceived threat to like a generalised response or a generalised response to an unknown threat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we then fill with all sorts of possibilities, right? So it offers us this... This uh, potential for catastrophizing, for thinking about what could go wrong here. And we can come up with all sorts of ideas of what could go wrong always, which of course sometimes are uh, sometimes these thoughts are grounded in experiences. So if you've had a lot of adverse experiences in your life, then of course, um, in a way, it's not surprising that you might anticipate that bad things are going to happen again if, if they've happened in the past, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like recently, in, r- around where I live, there's been some break-ins in the back gardens. Mm. And, you know, the other day I woke up in the middle of the night and there were police everywhere and police dogs, helicopters, looking for somebody who's broken in. Mm. So that's a real thing that happened. Mm. Um, and, you know, that then I start worrying about, is this going to happen again? Could it get worse? Um And there's a healthy response to that in that, you know, I'm more careful about locking things, which previously maybe I'd been a bit lax about because, Mm. you know, it it seemed like there was no possible entry into the back gardens. Mm. But now you kind of, you take some real response based on some of that situation that's happened. Mm. Although I suppose there's some real situation because Mm. that, you know, there's Mm. some sort of fear there. But at the same time, you know, what happens if? Mm-hmm. Then, it, you know, we get the anxiety about possibilities that may not really be real. Mm-hmm. But the problem is then when, you know, I found the next night and I wasn't sleeping well because I was listening for every sound. You know, is there a sound that could indicate there's a danger? And sometimes in my mind, I imagine it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is, you know, sometimes we, we start imagining these things that could represent things that could be a risk when they're not really a risk
1: yes and if this gets uh, if this happens again and again and again of course what we then experience over a period of time is also this anticipation of the impending anxiety that's going to come our way and very often what happens there is that we develop a fear of the fear so we know that we're going to feel anxious in certain situations we're going to get triggered our anxiety responses are going to get triggered and we already know that this is going to come our way, and we therefore start to already feel anxious about the impending anxiety. So that kind of then creates this loop, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So we get this, um, you know, the anticipatory anxiety can mm. be really problematic. Mm. <clears throat> and when we start being afraid of the actual response to the anxiety itself, that's when we may get into a panic attack. Mm. So we get, you know, we think, oh, the symptoms and everything, we get into this full-blown panic. and. Mm. Um, And I think one of the challenges that I see with anxiety currently is that it's, we were talking about this earlier, is it's almost become a four-letter word. Mm. It's like something, you know, it's something that we shouldn't have. Mm. It's, you know, when we see it as an illness, I think that can be problematic. There's a whole discourse in society,
1: isn't there, about anxiety as a disease, this idea that oh, there must be something wrong with me because I'm feeling anxious, Um, this avoidance of anxiety at all costs. And I hear that a lot. I mean, I hear a a lot of young people talking about um, struggling with anxiety starting in their teenage years already, going through university. So there's a lot of talking about anxiety as something that is really terrible, as something that can be... um, that is something that gets pathologized or something that gets in the way of, of living your life so to speak um, and this idea that we have this massive pandemic of anxiety yeah, this wave of anxiety rolling our way so um, there's a whole there's a way that we talk about anxiety as you say it's something that must that is unhealthy somehow
0: yes and it's I think part of it as well seems to be that You know, right from an early age, we're conditioned that some emotions are okay and some aren't. Mm. And the truth is, we can't decide what emotions we want. It's not like when you go to a restaurant and choose, yeah, I'll have this emotion or this emotion off the menu. You know, we have this range of emotions and they all serve at some, for some time, you know, at some point in our lives, they've served a positive function. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's when we try to think we shouldn't have this because you know when when we hear when we're younger you get messages from maybe parents or other people saying you know don't worry it'll be all right you know toughen up you know be strong and when there's the anxiety it's almost treated like there's something wrong Mm. rather than you know this is a response that is, is normal to have in some situations.
2: Mm. So it's almost
0: pathologized as that you know, we shouldn't be having this, that there's something wrong. Mm. Rather than we have this range of emotions that we experience and you know, it's what we do with that emotion. I mean, it was very different when I was younger and, uh, and I think you know, right or wrong, you know, we, we had anxiety. Of course. I remember lots of times I was anxious mm. about school, about some of you know, the people in school. You know, some of the you know a lot of bullies in school. I was you know mm. feel very anxious about going to school, mm. but in those days it was a little bit different. And probably not a positive thing, mm. but the fear of the punishment of not going to school was even stronger then this sort of anxiety about going to school so yes. in a way sort of two anxieties balanced each other out
1: yeah it's true so it didn't lead to this kind of avoidance did it for example that you know it would have been impossible to not go to school as you say in when I was growing up as well yeah. also because it wasn't sort of seen as a as a good enough reason yeah so anxiety wasn't seen it wasn't pathologized in that sense uh, it didn't feel comfortable and it never feels comfortable to be anxious it's not a pleasant feeling is it but um, but it's there also for a good reason because it tells us that um, that we need to spring into action for example so uh, anxiety in and of itself can um, act as a motivational system and tells us that there's something at stake so if I have for example coming back to my uh, event that's coming up it's coming up in March I've got you know uh, I know um, that I feel anxious about this event um the this particular, these anxi- anxious feelings that I hold, they also allow me to spring into action in terms of planning, for example, so that uh, the anxiety that I experience uh, forces me, so to speak, to to do something about this, to actually prepare for the event, to anticipate what it is that I need to have ready, to you know to think about it uh, carefully and to to actually do something about it.
0: Yeah, and I think to qualify that, I think sometimes it can be a means of springing to motion. but there are times when it really doesn't serve much function, it just gets in the way of our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's how we use that, because the problem with anxiety is a lot of the time we do what we can to stop it. Mm -hmm. So we think, you know, there's this thing, it's getting in the way of my life. I don't want it. Mm, I need to it's, get rid of this. It doesn't feel good, does yeah, it? Yeah, or I try and avoid it or kind of try and distract myself from it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's challenging because basically, what, like we talked about, anxiety is not a response to a real situation. It's that perceived response mm-hmm. to that imagined threat mm-hmm. as opposed to fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the problem with that is that um When we avoid something, when we don't face these things, it tends to reinforce it. So there's part of your brain, well, you know, within the amygdala, which basically is looking for potential danger and threats, and will respond appropriately, Mm. or what it thinks is appropriately, to help you deal with that. Mm. So if there is a real danger, you know, you spring into action. You have the fight or flight response. Mm. Yeah, where different signals are sent through our neurology. We have different hormones and chemicals put through our bloodstream which help us deal with that threat so if mm-hmm. there's a real danger. And we have some of this when we have anxiety, maybe not to quite the same extent, but it, it's like it's a it's a missed signal. It's not like... It's a learning which basically is like a missed learning. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there isn't a real threat. And when we avoid something, when we distract ourselves, or even when we try and reassure ourselves or somebody else... We're telling our brain that there is a danger. You need to avoid it. And we need to get away from it. We need to not look at it. We need to... And it's the same with reassurance. Because, say, for example, you have a friend who's in anxiety. And I think this is a really important point for everybody. Is, you know, if a friend's feeling very anxious and we're saying, you know, don't worry, it'll be okay. What are we really saying? There's something to worry about yeah we're saying you know there is something to worry you know mm. worry about it would be okay and you know the problem with that is in a way we reinforce it because we're telling your brain you know, if there's a, there's a real threat there's something to worry about but you know you'll get through it it will be okay
1: so what should we say instead
0: well that's the thing is you know particularly with friends with children we need to emphasize mm. we need to kind of be clear that you know this is a really bad feeling mm.
2: Yeah, you
0: know, it's completely normal to have anxiety it's and we need to show that we appreciate they're having this bad feeling and also encouraging them to take action to actually face this thing because this is the way that we're gonna help reteach our brain that there isn't something to be anxious about.
1: Mm. Yeah, so it's an and situation, isn't it? It's yeah. this idea of I feel uncomfortable here in this situation and I I I'm okay. I yeah. can do something with this, or you know, I'm I'm actually not really. Uh, being threatened to you. I'm okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And even, you know, we talked about when I talked about school situation, I'd go into school, but I'd avoid the people that I didn't, you know, that I was concerned about. And so I never really got through the anxiety because I still avoided it to mm-hmm. some extent. Mm-hmm. But it's a different type of avoidance. Whereas actually being able to feel that feeling and know that this feeling is, you know, this is a normal feeling, it feels bad. And knowing that by taking action, we're helping to teach our brain that, you know, there's nothing really, you know, there's, there is no real threat to our life.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's how we get through that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And each time we avoid, each time we distract, each time we, you know, overly reassure, um, we, we're essentially making that signal stronger.
1: Oh, that's a really good point. So if we think about relationships, that's, uh, that's relevant as well. So if you are... Uh, if you get very angry if you have a lot of anxious thoughts in your relationship for example which might be driven by um, uh, an underlying uh, insecurity that you have experienced due to to childhood experiences where you never felt quite uh, uh, reassured enough uh, about yourself or about your being in the world, so to speak, because of your upbringing as a child. If you then take that into your current relationship and you have these very anxious thoughts, you're never quite sure is your partner quite there for you? Are they really going to stick with you? Do they really love you? What do we do? What do we do here? How do we kind of manage that anxiety in relationships?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important point, and that's something where. Uh, we had the interview recently with Mark Sholes mm-hmm. about attachment styles, and I think, mm-hmm. you know that that's a really important area, and that's something that you work with a lot mm-hmm. with your clients too, and I talk about
2: mm-hmm. as
0: well, is that you know these early attachment, um, well, these early att- attachment wounds mm-hmm. that we have, would will, will lead to us with certain levels of anxiety in the present,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think you know there are some there are some areas where. You know, anxiety may be learned because of specific events in the past that cause us then to have anxiety in the future Mm. uh, that can be dealt with by facing those things head on. I mean, I'm wondering as well with some of the attachment areas though, whether maybe some of these attachment things need to be addressed. We need to look at the thoughts, we need to explore where they come from. Mm -hmm. We need, you know, in terms of a self belief, because particularly in relationships, you know, we form these beliefs about ourselves, like, am I lovable? Mm. Mm. You know, and I think it's it, we can maybe to some extent um, deal with some of those anxieties in the present, but if we still have that belief that I'm not lovable,
2: mm.
0: then at some level, you know, I, th- I, th- I think something's missing. So I think, it, you know, for certain things, mm. it may require a little bit more of exploration and kind of, reworking of some of some of these beliefs that we formed in in our early experience
1: yeah and i think it's relevant in terms of couples because going back to what you said earlier on about reassurance um so that it's not helpful if uh somebody is uh, struggling with anxiety to kind of just offer reassurance the same is true in relationships because ultimately if you have a partner who's very anxious um in terms of their anxious around the relationship anxious about whether you know they are loved in the relationship. These reassurances often don't work. No, they just don't work. So you can, as the as the non-anxious partner, so to speak, you can uh, reassure your partner until the cows come home. They, but they might still not believe it. So there might sometimes in this kind of scenario there might also be some individual work that needs to be done then around the as you say the root causes of these anxieties because they are not they're not going to go away through simply being told that everything is okay by their partner.
0: No, they're not going to go away from that. I mean, Mm. there is, you know, I think some work around, you know, a certain level of letting your partner know they're loved Mm
2: -hmm.
0: is important if somebody is more insecure in their attachment style, kind of, Mm. but not over the top. But not over the
1: top. Not if it's a constant constant theme and, you know, you... um, you, you need to hear from your partner 10 times a day that, you know, they they love you. That is not healthy, is it?
0: No, but it might also be, you know, that there's, you come to some sort of compromise. Maybe maybe it's, mm. whether it's once a day or whatever, yeah. that, that could be important.
1: If, if it yeah, exactly. But if it's sort of, if there's a sort of very deep running anxiety running through the life of one person, this is not going to cut it, I think. No but, it,
0: no, but I think it's, you know, that's something that needs to be dealt with. But mm. at some level, you know, that there's a compromise around some sort of balance. Mm. And we know that, you know, in relationships, if somebody is more insecurely attached and they have someone who's more securely attached, oh. but more secure mm. attachment style, mm. that it will help the person who's more insecure become more secure
1: yeah they can be soothed to a point yeah it can be yeah. soothed
0: to a point so there there is some balancing out mm. and sometimes as well in therapy you know part of that therapeutic relationship is you know when we're working with somebody and they're in an environment where they're not judged mm. where they're kind of there there is the empathy where there's unconditional positive regard, mm-hmm. they have the experienced that someone is going to be there to listen to them, to mm-hmm. whatever they say, not to judge them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that experience over time helps them to feel more secure.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I
0: think actually, you know, there is the element that through experience of something different, we can learn different. So I think actually there is that that, that there is that element. So I I wouldn't say it's reassurance, mm-hmm. just. You know, letting that person know that they're loved—it's not so much like, "Oh, it's all right, it's okay, it'll yeah, be all right." Exactly. So it's more—that's different from saying, "Yeah, I love you." Yes, like once yeah. a day or twice a day or whatever. But it's—it's mm. it's when you know when it goes over the top and ends up in kind of resentment—that's a problem.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So there's there's this sort of fine balance about how you how you manage that anxiety, uh, but you don't want to kind of also reinforce that in your relationship by by always um, somehow. Uh, highlighting it as, as a sort of big thing, as something that needs to be addressed all of the time because it's not really helpful.
0: No, but then there's the other extreme, which I think is equally damaging, if not worse, which is is acting cold to your partner to try and get them to toughen up, or even saying toughen up. <laughs> you know, I've heard this in relationships where, mm. you know, a partner who's kind of be more cold might say, mm. man up. Yes, I hate that. I really women hate that phrase. To their yeah. male oh yes. And I think it's, it's you know, terrible. And that's really you know, that is not gonna help.
2: Mm.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, needs well, to be so the the key is that you have to have empathy. You have to have the empathy about what's going on for the other person's experience. Mm. But in terms of reassurance it's not being like not being not having sympathy we have mm. empathy but not sympathy
1: yeah absolutely well it's the sort of it's the sort of saying yes i notice you know i know that you're feeling anxious about this and we're still okay in our relationship here um so it's it's holding both positions yeah yeah for and you might have to if you're the less anxious partner or the non anxious partner in the relationship you might have to hold that that balance for the other
0: yeah yeah and and then hopefully the person who is more anxious You know, getting some individual therapy could be really useful with that.
2: Mm.
0: And for so many people I've worked with, once they gain that insight in where these patterns developed and realizing that they're bringing these feelings from the past into the present. Mm. And, you know, right from early childhood, when they get that insight and realize, actually, this feeling of insecurity doesn't come from this relationship. It comes from what's happened in the past. Mm. And once you have that realisation, you've worked through that to some extent. Mm. Sometimes just a realisation, actually, for some people. I find that really helps them separate what's going on now from Mm. what was in the past. Although there there Mm. may be that experience of some anxiety, they realise... No, actually, this mm. relationship is is fine. This relationship is secure, mm. but the feelings sometimes are, are like those echoes from the past that sometimes exist, yeah, but they're just it. echoes. They're not the reality. They're not what's happening now.
1: Yeah, although to our old brain, sometimes old memories seem like uh, just as relevant or just happening right now in the moment. So sometimes the brain struggles to dis- differentiate between past memories and. And present experiences. So that's one of the challenges as well to kind of separate this out.
0: Well and I think that I think that comes from exploration of where they come from because when you realise that, mm-hmm. I think we can separate it out. Mm-hmm. Because certainly my experience with clients. Of course. Once you gain that insight, that's mm-hmm. where you separate it. Mm-hmm. It's when you haven't done that work around where these things originate, they become blended up. We think it's going on now.
1: That's right, exactly. So, yeah, so the past is very much alive in the present. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, Just one other idea, uh, one other point um, that I think is quite relevant in terms of anxiety, and I think we talked about it in a previous podcast, is this idea that uh, with anxiety that resistance is futile. So it's this idea the more you struggle with anxiety, the more you try to get rid of it, the more it's going to bite you in the bum, the more you're still in it and it. Catches you. I really love this idea from Act. This uh, finger trap idea. Do you want to explain? Do you want to list, uh, talk about that and explain? Yeah, that? Yeah, sure.
0: And and sorry, when you said resistance is futile, it's like a Star Trek <laughs> reference.
2: <laughs> so. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So basically, the more we struggle with anxiety, the worse it gets. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. So with a lot of clients I work with, I use this as a metaphor, and it comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, mm-hmm. where we you give them a finger trap, and you put your fingers inside this. Like I don't know what the material is, but when you put mm-hmm. your fingers in, you try to separate them. The more you pull apart, the the more resistance there is. The more they get stuck in this trap, the more that feeling of trappedness. Mm-hmm. And your body tenses, you get fully tense in your body and you become immobile Mm. because you're struggling against this, this feeling that you don't want. Mm. The way to get out of it is you give space to that experience. So you you basically just take the resistance off. You let your fingers relax together. You notice they can wiggle around even in the trap. So Mm. there's space inside of that. So you give feeling to that, sorry, you give space to that feeling. So rather than try to not have it, which is a natural feeling thing that we want to try and do, we just realise that, you know, we give space to that feeling. So it may be there, it doesn't need to stop us living our life though.
2: Mm.
0: And that's the key is we can live our lives and have anxiety.
2: Mm.
0: And that's the problem is at the moment, a lot of people think I can only live my life if I don't have anxiety. Mm. So my life will only be okay when the anxiety is gone. We don't know if it will go.
1: No, and it might not. You might always have some anxiety. Certainly, you you most definitely will always have some anxiety. Right? Yeah. yeah,
0: But the important thing is being aware that focusing on I can live my life, even though there may be this feeling that, you know, I don't really want
2: mm.
1: Yeah, so it's this idea that you lean into it, to use that catchphrase, um, lean into that kind of feeling a little bit more rather than run away from it.
0: Well, yeah, maybe not even leaning into it, but just accepting it's there, giving it space, Mm -hmm. knowing that this is part of my experience at the moment, but it doesn't need to be the whole experience.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, or it's there and it's giving me some vital information. So coming back to relationships, relationships if you notice that there's anxiety there, there's anxiety in your interaction with your partner, that might give you a vital clue that there's something that needs to be addressed here, that there's a a, an, uh, a sense of discomfort maybe in your interaction with your partner. So it might give you some information about... Uh, uh, an issue that needs to be addressed with your partner. So so it's also sort of, uh, what's the word? It's giving you um, a sense of there is something here that is at stake that might need to be looked at.
0: Yeah, and that's really important. And also knowing the difference because also a lot of the time it doesn't mean that. it can. It's often a feeling from the past, mm-hmm. like we talked about exactly. insecure attachment styles, exactly. which may have nothing to do with this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It may have nothing to do, you know, if your partner's home late from work Mm. It may be that, you mm. know, they've just had a meeting, but mm. this anxiety comes from you. Yeah. So it's about making that difference. Is this, you know, this could be a cue that we need to look at something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or is this something that's an echo from the past mm-hmm. that maybe I need to explore more myself?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's very true. So yeah, so anxiety can be our friend, right? In some yeah. ways, if we have a, develop a different relationship with it. And I'm not saying it's easy. It really is very hard because um if you uh, struggle with anxiety a lot in your life, it can be really, it can take over, can't it? It can be very engulfing as a feeling. It can kind of cast the shadow over everything. And it's just exhausting. Being worried all the time is really exhausting, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it can be like one of those friends that maybe, you know, you'd prefer it if it didn't hang around with you. But you know that if you don't let them hang around with you, they're just going to keep, harassing you they're going to keep phoning you turning up at the door so it's better to give them time and space <laughs> yeah when that's, need
1: that's it. a good way of looking at it yeah
0: <laughs> great
1: okay i think we've come to the end here haven't we
0: yeah so please go to the dot where you can do our free online conflict style quiz uh, and we look forward to speaking with you next week
1: uh take good care until then
0: bye